Welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover, your home for ice fishing news, tips, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Chris Larson. Hello and welcome to the Fish House Nation podcast. Today, we're going back to a recording from the St. Paul Ice Show back in December. This is a great conversation with Scotty Brewer from Brewer Agri Outdoors, and he's a guy we haven't had on the show yet. We hit on a variety of different subjects, most notably, what does ice fishing mean to you, and a promising new trend of young people getting into the sport. Thanks to more people getting outside, YouTube, and social media, ice fishing is becoming much more than something to do when it's cold. Ice fishing is cool. Hope you enjoyed this conversation with Scotty. I had a blast visiting with him. Thanks for having me, man. This is a lot of fun. Well, I had the other uh, end of Brewer Agri Outdoors yesterday with Kyle. The back end of Brewer Agri Outdoors. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The brewer is always first, Yep, right? Yep. The brewer is in the front. Agri is in the back. How did you guys decide that? Um, actually, it wasn't us. It was another friend that did it because he said that it flowed off his tongue better than the other way. All right. And I wasn't going to argue with him. I, I liked it. So. It's not alphabetical, so I, yep. I thought there had to be something else. Yep. Nope. Just one guy is actually a radio guy that recommended it. It's like They know a lot better about that stuff than we do. Yeah. It seems like it's working. It's worked, yep. Speaking of working, we're at the St. Paul A Show. Yes. You've been doing a lot of work. Uh, I think the story yesterday around the show was that attendance seemed to be down i've heard a lot of numbers thrown out there percentage wise but i'll tell you what if you walk on the show floor right now it does not look like it's down yeah if you're gonna walk on the show floor it's more of a crawl i mean it's it's tough to get anywhere there's so many people uh, in some of the aisles which is good yeah it's nice to see so many people here even yesterday it was nice just to be back in this building it was fun to be here promoting product most of the people have product, which is a win in itself, mm-hmm. just having stuff to sell and, you know, the way the economic things have been the last couple of years. So we, there's been a lot of product here. Yesterday, the turnout was a little down, but there's still a lot of people. Fun to see all the people that are here. Fun to get to visit with the other people in the industry. And it's really fun seeing all of the customers here smiling, getting ready for ice fishing, whether they're old customers, new customers. There's so many different types of people around here. We've got kids, we got young adults, we got older fishermen. We have it all here and everybody's happy, everybody's excited, and I absolutely love it. That was something that you and I talked about before we went on the air, is the young adults that are getting into the sport. And it's something that people have been talking about in the outdoors industry for the last, at least since I've been in it for the last 15 years, is that we've got this aged population that's in the outdoors. But what we're seeing right now and what you see when you walk around this building is a lot of 20-somethings that are getting involved in ice fishing. Yeah, for sure. You know, and you have been promoting the outdoors for a long time, as have we, as have most most of the industry professionals in this building. COVID, the pandemic, has been terrible for our country, but the silver lining is it has been the best thing for the outdoor industry that you can imagine. That has promoted the outdoors more than everybody in this building has in the last 10 years. You know, fishing licenses are up, 
15 to 25%, depending on the state. So many new people are in the outdoors. They're moving back to their roots. They're learning all of that type of stuff again, which is amazing. But that creates more stuff for this event because a lot of people are here looking for entry-level products, which is good because we have that also. Yeah, it's, it's kind of, we, we were talking again, you know, I think a lot of people went out last year and, and bought their rods and went out with their friends. Yep. And now this year they're going all in and they're getting the stuff so that they can go on their own. Correct. You know, and that's the way a lot of people do it. That's how they get into the sport. Like you said, they'll go out with a friend or they'll go out with a family member. And those people will provide all the gear, uh, which is why a lot of us have extra gear. Mm-hmm. You know, we got extra graphs we got extra rods because we take people out with us well a lot of those people are now realizing yeah this is something i want to do so now they got to start getting their own some of them will jump all in and get the high-end stuff right away Uh, most of them will buy lower or mid-level stuff and then work their way up just like all of us did you know so it's cool here because there's a lot of product here there's a lot of options all the different manufacturers are here. Many different retailers are here. Whatever you need is in this building. Um, and one thing I've been recommending for anybody that's here, if you see something that you need, and whether it's on sale or not, if you think you're going to need it this winter, buy it now. Because a month from now, two weeks from now, it might not be available. Yeah, we just, uh, we're sitting right next to you guys, the market booth right next door. And I know uh, I've been working a lot of shows here over the last few weeks, and that Pursuit HD camera that sold out last year, there was none of them available in February. You just got them in. So that's been a hot commodity. People will want to get those because they saw the video that was coming out of that, and they wanted to get it in February last year and couldn't. Um, But those things just came in. They were not in the shows a week ago. Yeah, there was a couple hundred of them in the building yesterday that the retailers had. A couple hours ago, one of our guys went around and did a little check to see what's left, and there were 20 left. Wow. So I don't know if there's any available to buy right now at this show. But your local sporting goods store will probably have some, at least for a little while, if that's something that you wanted, because that Pursuit HD is a very popular camera. It's a small 5-inch screen, uh, best video that you can get. Many of the videos that you see on social media or on TV shows, underwater video, it's shot off of that little tiny camera. That's how good of the quality it is. And for Ice Castle guys, it's or permanent house guys, I should say. Right. Um, it's it's perfect because you can hook it right up to your TV, and then you got it on your 40-inch TV in your house. Yeah, that that's been amazing to me too. We talk about all the entry-level anglers that are in the sport right now and getting started. But I'll tell you what, I, I've been working these shows, and it seems like every person that comes up to me says, what's the best camera for my fish house? Yeah. And those are not entry-level people. Those are right. people that have been around, but they are reinvesting in what they're doing. Yep, yep. There's a lot of that, you know. And there, There's so many different types of people here, what level they're at in fishing. And it's kind of fun when, when somebody comes up to a booth and they start talking to you. First thing you need to figure out is where they're at. Where they're at in their fishing career, fishing prowess, are they entry level? Are they working their way up so that you know what what it is that they're looking for? Yeah, tell me a little bit about that. Someone comes up and they're just getting started. And obviously you're working in the Markham booth this weekend. What are you telling them? What kind of advice would you give people that are just kind of getting started? Yeah, the first thing I will ask them if they're looking at a camera or if they're looking at a sonar unit. If it's a sonar unit, 
the flashers, which have been around for years, you know, they're generally a little bit more inexpensive. They're dur very durable, very easy to run. They're great for entry level, but they do have some that will advance in features, have better features. Those are mid-level or advanced level. Some guys never want to go to a flat screen. They want to have that, that round flasher dial. So you load them up with features and they're happy. Other guys want to go to the flat screens. The advantage of the flat screens are customizable. Uh, you can get them with mapping. There's a lot of different things you can do there. So it really depends on on where they're at. You know, if they're just starting out, they can get an M1 or M3 flasher. If they're advanced, if, if they already have those and they want to move to a flat screen, then the MX7, which came out last year with GPS, uh, that's been a very popular unit also. Um, something that's kind of going industry-wide, especially in the Markham booth, every one of our flashers, except for the M1, has a lithium battery in it. You know, lithium battery technology has taken off so much, and Markham has done a lot. All of our batteries, all of our units have our batteries in them, and we sell our batteries for other units also. But that Markham Group battery is getting to be a staple for any type of ice electronics. What, what is it, for people who don't know about the lithium battery, what are the advantages of going to lithium? Basically, two... Uh, probably three main advantages. One is it's about half the weight. It's much lighter. Um, they will give you more runtime, and they will give you more charge cycles. So not only is the battery lighter, it'll last longer when you're out fishing, and it'll get you out fishing more times than the others will. You brought up the MX-7 and having the GPS capabilities. Uh, you know, I think for, for years, people are used to seeing that flasher. There's still tons of people using the flasher style sonars, but to go to something with the digital screen and, and having the GPS capabilities, where does that come into play? What, why do you feel like that is uh, uh, something that somebody should go with when you recommend that to someone? Well, for the GPS one, especially for the MX, if, if you want that, you need to be able to... So they run off of an avionics chip, just like what we have in our boat. Very few boats right now will not have some type of a mapping unit on it. It's just the wave of the future. If you're the type of guy that you go out to your lake, you don't need to know spots because you already know that. You don't necessarily need that. But if you're traveling around different lakes, that shows you that structure, shows you where you're at. It really helps you narrow down where you want to fish based on the structure. Then you use your, your underwater camera or your, or your sonar to nail down where the fish are on that structure. So it's all a part of that system, especially if you're fishing lakes that you're not very familiar with. Um, but those flashers, and that's a question I was going to ask, ask you. Okay. Something I want to know, and it, you talk to people and they say, flashers are dead technology. They're going away. We don't want to do anything with that because they're going away. Do you think a flasher will ever go away? Do you think do you think people will only have flat screens 10 years from now? I don't think so. I mean, I think even, I think it's one of those things that, um, you know, a lot of people grow up with it. They see it. And I think the cost too. I mean, that's one of the things that, that Markham has done with the M1 this year has got it to a price point. Really, you'll find it on this show, in this show right now. I saw it on Ice Fishing Minnesota. Someone bought one for $249. Yep. And if you go on Ice Fishing Minnesota, there's plenty of people out there trying to sell used flashers for almost that price. Correct. So you can get a brand new flasher at that price 
and be out there ice fishing. And I think that's pretty appealing to a lot of people. And a maybe, brand new flasher with Zoom. With Zoom. Uh, you know, because the M1 is the only entry-level flasher that has Zoom in it. You know, most, most companies, you're halfway up their ladder before you get Zoom. So an entry-level flasher with Zoom for 250 bucks is crazy, crazy good. And for that reason, I think, like you said, I really believe that flashers will be around for a long time. Yep. Yes, the, the flat-screen mapping units or camera combination units or all of the forward-facing sonars out there, they will all be a part of somebody's arsenal, mm -hmm. but you will always have those flashers. Yep. And that's, you know, I, I fish with some people who have the forward-facing stuff, and, you know, I don't own one, but I see people who do, and I think that they're great tools for finding fish. Right. But what I typically see is they find the fish with that, and once they get where they want to go, they put the the regular sonar yep. in the hole because yep. it's i've found that it's it's difficult to fish especially if you're fishing for you know i fish for a lot of crappies and bluegills those types of things it's it's difficult to really see that bite on those um just because of kind of how much the screen entails and what yep. how much water it's covered yeah i agree and I, I there's a lot of guys that that that's what and these are the same guys that will say yeah flasher technology is dead you know you I, we don't want flashers, but then they still go out and use them. And there's a reason for that. You know, they'll never go away. So if you're getting into the sport and you go, okay, I, I I should probably get an M1 or M3 to get started, but I don't want to buy something that's going to be obsolete. They're never going to be obsolete, in my opinion. Right. They will never be obsolete. Yeah, I, I have uh, some of both in my, in my arsenal as well. Yep. I've got the digital. I've got the analog, and some days one is better than the other. You just kind of go with what, what you feel like yeah. you're fishing with every day. And and the other thing is, is and we've had a lot of guys like yourself here uh, this weekend that tell you, sometimes I just like to fish this way. Sometimes I like right. to do that. And, and, you know, this is my thing, but sometimes I like to go and do this just to get yeah. that, that kind of feel to it. So, And everybody's everybody has their own way of fishing, what they, what they enjoy, what they love. And that's why we go. We go fishing because we like to do this or we like to do that. We want to enjoy ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we tend to go back to that time and time and time again. Same thing with open water. If you're, a, you know, most people will have their own preferred technique. I like back trolling with windy rigs. I love doing that. If I can do that and catch fish, I'm going to do that. Whether or not, whether or not the weather conditions are perfect for it or whatever, that's what I like to do. And that doesn't mean I won't do other stuff because I do do other stuff too, but I always tend to gravitate to that. And it's the same with ice fishing. There's a lot of people, the interesting thing about ice fishing, there are so many ways to ice fish. Ice fishing is something different to so many different people. You talk to some guys that'll go out and they think that ice fishing is camping on, on the ice might put a line down, might not. You'll have a couple of adult beverages and hang out, and that's ice fishing. Other people think that you need to go out, drill holes, drill holes all day until you find fish and sit there and keep going, 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 and then there's everybody in between. Some people, it's go out with a hand auger, drill a hole at their family cabin, drop a line down off of an old fishing rod, fish for a couple hours, and that's ice fishing to them. Ice fishing is different to so many people, unlike many other sports. It is so widely spread. 
I'm a Wisconsin guy, and in Wisconsin you can run three lines. And one of the lakes that I fish a ton, there's probably about six guys, and I think they all kind of have houses next to each other on the lake, and they go out, they got a fire pit out there, and they're just they just set up tip ups. And yeah. with six guys, three lines apiece, you can set up a lot of tip ups. Yeah. And they're out there with their fire pit and they've got their beverages and they just kick back and it's it's like a tailgate for them and that's that's ice fishing. That's for them. ice fishing for them. You know, the first time we did a photo shoot out in Wisconsin, we found that out. Everybody was using tip ups. And we're you know, Minnesota we run around and, and jig and do all that stuff and and it's like, what are you guys doing? They're like this is what we do, <laughs> and it's true, you know, and, and that's a regional thing, you know, and there's people in Minnesota that do that, too, but, you know, Minnesota, you can have two. Uh, so, yeah, it's but it's fun, and this building right now has all of that. They're all here, but yep. it's cool. And, and you've got the, the spear stuff, too, yep. and I, I walk by those decoy booths, and it's just like... I'm yes. like a kid in a candy store, and that's not even my thing, but I just love to see that stuff on display. Yeah, and the art. You know, you talk to the decoy guys, you know, they are truly artists because they hand, a lot. most of those are hand-carved, they're hand-painted, they're hand-tank-tested, you know, it's all done by hand, and every one of them is a little different, and every one of them is a piece of art. It's really cool. There's a reason why a lot of people are decoy collectors. You know, I got a couple at home. I've never spearfished in my life, but I got a couple decoys at home. You know, it's, 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 that's a neat sport too. We're going to talk some spearfishing tomorrow. We'll have a spearfishing guy tomorrow to talk that. But we're talking about what ice fishing is. To a lot of people. What is ice fishing to you? You know, to me, I do a little bit of everything. I do some of the running and gunning. Go out with the portable portable shack and a snowmobile. I really like to fish. If I go to a big lake like Devil's Lake or Lake of the Woods, I really like fishing off my Bearcat. I got my Bearcat all set up with a graph on it and then just move around, bounce around on the Bearcat, drill a hole, drop the transducer in, fish for a while, and keep moving. And I, I really enjoy doing that on the nicer days. You know, once it gets zero or lower, um, maybe 10 below or lower, it gets a lot pretty difficult. Then you got to set up shacks, slows you down a little bit. Uh, I also enjoy going out with my family, setting up a big hub shack and going out and catching crappies or sunnies. Uh, a couple times a year, we'll do some ice castle trips, go out for a weekend in ice castles and spend time in there. Uh, the people that want to just stay there and relax and fish, they can, while the others will go run around the lake. You know, So we kind of do a little bit of everything. All right, I don't want you to give away any of your secret yes. spots, but what are some of your kind of favorite destination-style lakes? You and I met on Winnipeg. Lake Winnipeg. Lake Winnipeg. That's your Lake Winnipeg's my favorite. Yeah, by far. So you, you and Kyle are both very passionate about Winnipeg. Yep. What, what is it about Winnipeg that you love? The fact that at any moment, the next fish could not be a fish of a lifetime, but it could be the fish of multiple lifetimes. You know, you can catch a 15, 16 pounder out of the lake. I got friends that have caught 16 pound walleyes out of that lake. There's not very many places in the world that you can say that. You know, I've caught a, my biggest one out of there is probably 12 and a half. My son's caught a 14 and a half out of there through the ice. Um, and it's just so much fun going out there and ripping great big, we use life target rattle baits, ripping these great big rattle baits, which are normally used in open water bass fishing and ripping them and then feeling just that massive funk that is the greatest feeling in the world and then getting them in and 
which isn't always the easiest thing either. But we've learned different tricks on that, how to get them in a hole. But yeah, Kyle said he needed tricks just to get a, a hole drilled sometimes. Oh, yes. What <laughs> are you dealing oh, with yes. that kind of ice? Yep. Yeah, there's been years we've been up there with four feet of ice. And honestly, it's because of that. I, I don't use 10-inch augers anymore. I'll only use an 8-inch auger. Um, and especially if the ice is over two feet thick. Because if it's over two feet thick, you have to clear the slush out of the hole. Mm -hmm. If it's less than two feet, you can generally just auger all the way down. So if you got to clear the slush out of the hole, let's say it's three feet. At two feet, you start clearing that slush. So you got to lift the weight of the auger, which in the old days, it was a gas or a propane auger, 30 pounds. Mm -hmm. You got to lift the weight of that auger. Um, a 10 inch bit weighs two pounds more, but the slush weight in there weighs twice as much because there's twice as much surface area. Yep. So let's say you had five pounds of slush weight with an eight inch, now you got 10 pounds of slush weight. And you got to clear that hole four times, lifting all that slush out, and it just kills you. You get so tired that you won't drill as many holes. It gets in your brain, and you're just not going to go move as much. If you don't move as much, you won't catch as many fish. So once I switched to an 8-inch, I believe I actually caught a lot more fish using an 8-inch because I was able to move a lot more. I never got tired drilling holes. And for me, the 8-inch is great. We're visiting with Scotty Brewer here at the St. Paul Ice Fishing Show. Scotty, you've been in this industry for a long time. You've been out doing this thing. And, you know, I was at uh, the, the Shield show here a few weeks ago yep. and got to meet your son and spent the weekend with him. We were both working the show all weekend long. And you've brought up your son a few different times. What does it mean to you for him to kind of follow in your footsteps and do the things that, that you've done and now you see him do it? Yeah, I, you know, I think it's really cool that he's watched and seen what I do and wants to do some of it. And even cooler yet is a lot of the stuff he does, he's way better at it than I am. You know, he's a great salesman just with his personality and his background, uh, working in restaurants. He used to manage a restaurant for a while. Um, so with that background, he's very much a people person. And events like this, he's a rock star, which it's nice to see him do that kind of stuff. I really enjoy it. But it's nice to know that just like if you're going on a fishing trip, you know, your best fishing trips are with your, with your kids or your, your family. So coming here, it just makes it that much better. It makes this more enjoyable knowing that you're here with family. And, and the fact that he's doing this stuff and probably well long after I'm gone, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, he, he, I was very impressed with him uh, a few weeks ago, just how he worked with people and explained yeah. everything to him. It, it was really fun to watch him kind of work his craft and do his thing. And, yep. and that's what I think people don't realize is that there is a craft to doing what you're doing here um, and, and helping it. And like you say, you got to find out what's the right thing for that person. I mean, we can all sit here and try to sell something to somebody, but if it's not the right thing for them, it doesn't make sense for anybody. Correct. You know, and all the people in this building that are good, the industry people, the people that are working at this show, all the people that are very good at it, and most of them that have been doing it for a long time, they don't, they work at it and plan it, but a lot of it comes natural. They do it because they love it. If they didn't love doing it, they wouldn't be here. They wouldn't be here for their 10th show if they didn't love being here and doing it. If they didn't love talking, fishing. If when they didn't see a kid come by, that they didn't smile and 
go give them give them knuckles or something. You know, that's why we're here because we love the sport so much that we love seeing people here, and that shows. They can see that, and then those are the ones that do well in this type of a business because it's it's about personalities, it's about people getting to know people, and if you love it, that shows. So, most of these people here, they love what they do because they love the sport of fishing they love the outdoors they love promoting it as you do as i do and that's why it's so much fun coming here because you get to hang out with all these people that are just like us yeah it's like a family reunion you show up here. yes very much so yeah. hang out with the people that, that you you love to hang out with and it's been weird because we didn't have the show last year and of course a lot of us were ice fishing on the ice together and doing those types yep. of things but being in this atmosphere and doing this is a big thing uh but listen, it's December fourth, and we got ice coming up. I know it's probably up in your neck. But we have we ice in some. our area. Yep. What are you looking forward to this year? I know you love Winnipeg, but uh, yep. what, what else do you got on tap uh, for this year? Really, the only trips that we have planned currently is so we're here this weekend. Next weekend, we're in Fargo at the Fargo Ice Show. Uh, the weekend after, we're going to get out on the ice some. I know we're, we're doing one trip up to Red Lake, Red Lake Nation. The trout fish up on Red Lake Nation. I believe that's the 20th. Uh, then we're going to do one planned trip to Winnipeg probably in February. And we want to do one trip to Fort Peck. I've never been to Fort Peck. And it sounds like it's amazing. want to go out there and catch some big lake trout. Talked about it for a few years. So we're going to try and do that in March. And then we got a few other family trips that are already in the books for January. And then from there, just see what comes up. Have you ever done the Laker thing through the ice? No, never have. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm into it too. It's something that I want to try. I've talked to uh, Travis White up in the Kenoa Peninsula in Lake Superior. Yeah, that sounds super awesome. But the Fort Peck thing too yep. it is another thing. And uh, you know, just to it's a get, bucket list, right? Bucket list item. Yeah, the Lakers, the the Pike, and, and the the walleyes out there too. I, I hear are just phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like the ice can be kind of sketchy. It's kind of tough to plan a trip because they really only have two, three weeks of good ice. It freezes late, thaws early. So when you plan something, you know, we're going to put something in the books. And then if it works out, great. If it doesn't, we'll try again next year. Yeah, and, and some of those places, you know, I just had Captain Ross Robertson sitting here uh, about an hour ago, and he ice fishes Lake Erie. And it's the same thing. It's one of those things that's like, we can write you down, but we yeah. don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. You know, to do something like that for a guy like you that has such a, a tough schedule, what, what is that like, uh, being able to kind of put that whole thing together to try to plan your whole season out? What's that like for you? Well, you know, it, it's all right. We, we got to plan stuff out. And especially now, it's like getting gear. If you're gonna if you're gonna do stuff, you need to get your gear now. And as, if you want to do any trips anytime this winter, you got to plan them. You got to make those reservations now. Uh, we do a lot of VRBO type stuff. We like to do that. It's inexpensive. The combinations are great, uh, but they fill up fast too. So you need to get those get those dates set. And then from there, if Mother Nature allows it to happen, it'll happen. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's like planning a trip to the Rainy River in the spring. Yeah, you can plan your dates all you want, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. Because you don't know when the rivers are going to break free, when the ice is going to melt, any of that kind of stuff. You do the best you can planning and go from there. Are you, and, and I... I I'm going to ask you this question, but I think I know what the answer is, but I, I just want you to kind of go through it 
Um, you know, you're a guy that's very accomplished. You've been doing this for a long time. When you go out with, with people, do you still learn? Oh, yeah. I learn every day. There isn't a person. I don't think there's a person in this building, an ice angler, and I bet you there's 2,000 people in here right now. I don't. I have no clue. Yeah, I don't either, but there's a lot. There's a lot of people here. Every one of these people knows something that I don't know. Every one of them. Because they do stuff. I do stuff my way. Mm-hmm. There are infinite numbers of ways to do stuff. And everybody does stuff different. Everybody figures out things that are successful for them. So everybody can learn from everybody else if, if you listen to them. And that's what I love about this, talking to different people, just talking to them, seeing how they fish. And we can all learn from each other, right? Yeah, I've, I'm not, I'll never be done learning, ever. And I think that's that's kind of what you have to be to be really good, is that you always have to be learning, always have to be yes. working on, on your craft. You told me earlier that your favorite way to open water fish is back trolling. Yep. Uh, we've talked about Winnipeg being your favorite place. What's what's kind of your favorite technique for ice fishing? What's something that you like to do? You know, if I said, "Hey, we're gonna go do ice, we're gonna go ice fishing," what's kind of your your thing that you love? I like jigging, vertical jigging, uh, whether it's for walleyes or crappies, sunnies. I I'm a, became a huge sunny fan the last few years. Small tungsten jigs, light tuned up rod. I use a tuned up bow whip or noodle rods, and just sitting there vertical jigging them, watching them, watching them on the on the markums. You know, you see two or three of them come in, and you start that little feeding frenzy, and they just go crazy. And I've really, really enjoyed that. You know, a lot of people think sunnies are well; they're just small little fish, but man, they can be a lot of fun. You got the right tackle, and light line; they are a blast, especially if you get a nice one, get a ten, ten and a half, or bigger. You you live in an area where. Yeah, you don't have to go very far to find pretty fairly unpressured water where you can find those big pan fish. And I've, I've interviewed uh, Troy Peterson several times, and he's to me he says right now it's easier to catch a 50-inch muskie than it is to catch a 10-inch bluegill. He's like, I know everybody says, oh, I got a 10, but he's like, they're getting hard to find. And I know I know up in your neck of the woods you can go to places where you can find them, but in these metro areas right now, those big fish. Are, are really getting hard to find. Yep. So I think finding those things and, and, and dialing that in is a big deal. And protecting them is a big deal. You know, we a 10-inch bluegill. The problem with bluegills is it's kind of a mentality thing. When we're young, we bluegill. Bluegills are our gateway drug to a fishing addiction. You know, that's how we all started. So we go out, and the little ones we throw away, the bigger ones we keep. Oh, I got a nice one that we can have to cook it for dinner. Well, you catch a big, the bigger ones, the bigger, bigger ones, it's like, oh, I got a really good one. That's going to be a lot of meat. Yeah. You know, because they, bluegills haven't had the respect of being a trophy, where a 10 inch bluegill is a trophy. It truly is. Yeah. So we've been trained ever since we were little to the bigger the bluegill, the better, because it's going to give us more meat. And we need to start untraining that where all bluegills between, you know, keep the eight to nine inches. Which is generally, if I go up gill fishing in the summer, I'll come home with a, a limited gills that we'll fry up for dinner, but they'll all be to, between eight and nine. I try not to keep anything overnight. You might catch a 10, you might catch a 10 and a half, and you let them go. You catch a nine, nine and a half, and let them go. If you keep all the nine and a half, you'll never have 10s. So. Um, and the state is working on it. They're working on bluegill regulations. I've had good, some pretty good discussions with some DNR managers. 
and they said that they're not ready. Anglers are not ready to start measuring bluegills. Have have measurement limits on bluegills. You know, like with walleyes, you can have so many over whatever inches. They said anglers are not ready for that yet. Maybe they will be, but they're starting to reduce the limit a little bit. And with us out there promoting, getting everybody out there promoting, you catch those big bluegills, let them go. And I think that it's something that definitely the DNRs are working on. In Minnesota, they just dropped a bunch of lakes throughout the state down to a five-fish limit, which I think is is a really good idea. Um, But I think another thing, and it's something that uh, we talked about with a couple other guys here this weekend, that, hey, you know, if you go on that lake and the limit's 25, it doesn't mean that you have to keep 25 you right. know and, and i do that with my son a lot one of our favorite lakes is a 25 fish lake and i mean it, you could easily go out there and come home with 50 fish the two of us yep but uh you know we usually we like to come home with about 20 yeah and, and, that, and that's well a good, and good if it's number. with bluegills you don't want to be more than 20 anyway because you'll be there all day <laughs> it takes a while but, but yeah fun. If, if you can eat them that night you know if you got four or five people in your family and you're gonna eat them that night you know go ahead and and take them take the smaller ones yep um as long as and it depends on the lake too a lot of lakes if your lake isn't a good bluegill lake and you just happen to have get on a screw of them you might want to let some of those go you know just or let more of them go than you would in a lake that's well known for a lot of fish and really you said you like to keep that eight to nine but a lot of these metro lakes you know if you catch an eight to nine inch bluegill like that's as big as you're going to find them in that lake a lot of times it's hard to find anything more than that and, and i find myself fishing the metro you know we're, we're bringing home seven to eight yeah. and, and, no, and there's nothing wrong with that either and that's something oh, no. people have to understand that you know even those fish you know they give you a great fillet that's that's not super thick it fries up really nice yeah. and, and really my kids kind of prefer those smaller fish because you get a crispier fillet you don't have this big big chunk of meat so that's, that's something yeah. to think about yeah well. they make nice little fish chips yeah, exactly yeah. that's exactly how they yeah. come out it was more like chips um scotty is there any something is there anything else that you wanted to talk about i know we've had a good conversation here there's something that you wanted to talk about that we didn't get to you know not really just everybody be safe on the ice you know that's with social media we see you guys out on the ice one thing i would like everybody to do don't ever take your buddies advice as to ice thickness don't ever drive by a lake and see three four wheelers out in the middle of the lake and assume that the ice is okay you need to check your ice every time yourself go out and check it because if you see somebody out on the lake you don't know how they got out there they may have came from a different way you know or they may be risking their life by being out there you you don't want to risk your life just because you've seen that so always take ice safety into your own it's it's up to you mm-hmm. it's literally up to you check your own ice every time you go out. yeah and i think that uh it's important to talk about how you do that um and, and i think that you know you also work with with the guys at eskimo and the float suits and all that kind of stuff how should people especially with all these new people getting into it how do you check for us how do you go about doing it? early ice you take a spud bar out there with you and, and chip the ice as you go um, if you're taking four-wheelers, if it's thick enough for a four-wheeler, you know, by then you're probably drilling a hole, drill a hole, checking it every, I don't know, every 30 feet or so. Check to see what the ice thickness is as you go out, that first time at least. 
you know, from there, if it's the dice is getting thicker, then you're probably okay. But uh, depending on your mode of transportation, will depend on what you're going to use to check the ice with. Make sure you always have ice picks with, no matter what time of season it is, early or late. And float suits, we highly recommend float suits. Float suits have become so comfortable, they became inexpensive. I honestly have no idea why anybody would not buy a float suit. If you're buying a suit right now, why you wouldn't buy a float suit? Because yeah. you put them on, you don't know that they're float suits. But they are, you know, it's a level of safety that you can have for free. So why not buy it? Yeah, for sure. Mine, mine feels exactly like it's just like a really warm park. Yeah. And it's, it's great. And the equipment's great. And, you know, and, and you know, we talk about it that way and, and we've got resources and abilities to get it. But if you're somebody that just doesn't have the resources, go pick yourself up a life jacket and put that on when you're walking right. out there just so that if something does happen, you, you got something to help you yep. out. So Yep. Use a buddy system. Make sure you have a rope with you in case something does happen. You can throw them out. But ideally, if you got ice picks, you can generally get yourself back out. And very important is if you ever do fall through, just stay calm. Yeah. Stay calm. Because the first thing that's going to happen is you are going to freak out. So just stay calm and you'll get back out to safety. Well, Scotty, I want to get a I want to get a selfie with you. I've been doing that with everybody. Awesome. So let's do that before we let you go here. Appreciate you spending time with us. Awesome. Thanks so much for coming on. Really appreciate you and coming on and, and uh, hopefully get out of the water with you again this year. I had a good time with you last year. Yeah, this was awesome. Getting out and doing you do good work. Keep doing it, man. Thank, thank you. Appreciate it. You do you yeah. do good work as well. I enjoy the sport. That's what it's all about. It, it is, and it, it's fun to kind of see not just the fruits of our labor, but the fruits of so many people yeah. uh, come come to life here, and, and you see yeah. I wish everyone. You, I wish you could pan the camera around to show these kids that are running around. Yeah, because that's that's what it's all about. Yeah. Uh, it is. It's a lot of those, like you say, you know, the, the little ones that you're, you're fist pumping. But like you say, though, too, there's 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 a lot of teenagers. There's a lot of 20 year olds and, yeah. and a lot of families. You're seeing, I think, a lot of families get involved in this now, too, because they're looking for something to do in their winter months. And, yeah. It, listen, we're in Minnesota, North Dakota, Wisconsin. If you don't like to do ice fishing, <laughs> it's going to be a long embrace. Winter. Embrace the winter. Yeah. Yep. Embrace the cold. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. We're going to bring on another guest. Awesome. Thank you, sir. Yeah, thank you. Enjoy the rest of the show. Yes. Thanks for listening to the Fish House Nation podcast presented by Catch Cover. For more ice fishing content, visit our blog at catchcover.com.